When you open the door for somebody else. Welcome in, everybody, to the vaccine conversation. Uh, Hello. I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, I'm uh, Dr. Bob here with Melissa. Hi. Hey. And wow. And DJ Maddie Matt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Switchboarder Matt is uh, is in the house with us, as always. Hey, Matt. Um, So, um, wow, boy, uh, how was your weekend, by the way? I don't have time to talk about my weekend because we have some serious things. Yeah, to we talk do. About okay, today. well, we'll talk about our weekends in, in the next podcast. Okay, yes. right. I'm too. I'm too upset to talk about my um, my weekend. I'm too interested in the stuff that we're talking about today. Right. Medical yeah, exemptions. The, yeah. This this kind of all hit us uh, um, yesterday morning. You know, I got a text from Becky saying, hey, did you see this? And yeah, it's basically, it's a title, it's an article titled Vaccine Medical Exemptions are a, no, that's the second one. The first one is experience with, experiences with medical exemptions after a change in vaccine exemption policy in California, published in Pediatrics, October 2018. Okay, so and, a new study on the implementation of medical exemptions with the law 277. So, so right. this episode is not going to be all about medical exemptions and what they are and who qualifies, what does the law say, all that kind of stuff. We're going to go past that. We'll get, we'll do one like that because I think that's important. I get a lot of questions mm-hmm. about that, but this is a brand new, um, I want to say like uh, in quote study. I mean, I feel like that because it's a very small sample size of phone interviews. Right. Um, uh, yeah. All about what what health officials feel as it relates to medical exemptions and the law, right, right, in and practice, it, right. And it was published in the American Academy of Pediatrics Medical Journal, and they they publish one every single month. And um, I guess I could just give like the the ten second version of of what this study was. Basically, these uh, one, two, three, four, five, six researchers basically did phone interviews with a whole bunch of. Public health officers. Well, we in should California. clarify a whole bunch because it's really not oh, a whole uh, bunch. 34. 34. Oh, 34. Okay. 30 34 is not really a whole bunch. Yeah, I mean, no, like you're right, you're when right. you think about right. that. And, right. we'll, and I'll talk and, about something that they mentioned yeah. at the end of how this could be biased okay. as a result. So, right, anyway, right. Go ahead. And they essentially called up 34 uh, California public health officials from a whole bunch of different county health offices all over the state. Basically, half. Right. Half okay. Of the about jurisdictions. Half of them, yeah. And, um, and they asked them. What has been your experience managing SB 277 and managing, to- managing medical exemptions that parents turn into schools from their doctors? And then the, you know, the schools then uh, you know, turn those exemptions over to you for review. And, and what has been your experience in, in guiding these schools and, and reviewing these exemptions? And, and what do you think? And you know, what, what are the, frustrations? Yeah, what did the data show? Yeah, what were you frustrated with? And, and that, that's kind of the, the sort of how they present this study. But I think there's a much darker purpose to the study because they oh, yeah. they really go on to say For sure. you know all these statements about medical ex- exemptions themselves and the validity of them and what needs to happen next right and and how legal. they should basically work to uh, to looks like they're going to try to work to do away with California medical exemptions as they are now and change how they're done so that parents can no longer get them from their personal physicians. And let's clarify what health officers mean, because that's who was interviewed. The health officers, uh, they're health officers, communicable disease coordinators, and immunization coordinators. And I think there were uh, a few public health nurses. So they were not interviewing physicians. Correct. They were not interviewing people that are in contact with parents directly who come to them for medical exemptions. These are third-party people who are just basically talking about the paperwork and their views of whether or not that paperwork is valid or not, which is right. which I find really interesting. Right. But I just want to st- say really quickly before we get into it, uh, at the very end of this, they talk about how there could be biases, right? right? right. And one of the first things that comes up, yeah. I have so many things that I wrote on here. Um, one of the first things that comes okay, I got, up. Okay, I got it. Financial disclosure. Dr. Salmon has previously received consulting and or research support from Merck, Pfizer, and Walgreens. I didn't even get to that part, right. so that's additional. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. Gosh, Merck and Pfizer make vaccines, and Walgreens right. gives out vaccines. Okay, so some financial potential financial conflicts of interest. Exactly. And, and one of these doctors, he's uh-huh. received uh, money. and uh, This is one of the doctors who is on 
author, one of the authors? Yeah, one of the authors of the study, yeah. Because I was just clarifying that doctors were not interviewed in this. But yeah, so the thing I was talking about was how it says these results may be subject to bias, and it says... Because the participants with strong opinions about this law were the ones that were more likely to participate. So the ones that they right. interviewed about this are, are going to be the ones who have a problem with people right. who want right. medical exemptions anyway. Right. And that, that means that this is the data pool that they're pulling from to kind of make you feel like this is a sampling of the general viewpoint of all health officials across the state. And it's really not. It's really a, right. a small pool of people who are adamantly pro-mandate, and that's why yeah. they want to support this Yeah, particular... and, and, and there's a statement in there that sort of is contrary to what you just said in how they, and we'll get to it, mm-hmm. we'll get to it in that, uh, in that um, not to contradict what you said, but where they actually kind of admit that virtually all the medical exemptions that these people looked at were fine. Oh, right. No, I know. It was just a minority. A so, yeah, we'll that. get to that. There's a lot of but, contradictory you know, stuff let, let me Let me say real quick, though, I guess just for the beginners out there, we're doing a lot of different podcasts on a lot of different titles or a lot of different topics. This this podcast, I'd say, is, is basically maybe more for people who have been in this fight That's for true. many years. There's a lot of things that maybe beginners won't understand. So I guess I just want to take 17 seconds to say <laughs> what this law is in case you're not in California. Okay. In, 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 in California, if you don't want to vaccinate and you want to enroll your child in any school whatsoever. Or if you want to opt out. Right. Of even one or two. Yeah, if you want to opt out of even one vaccine or two vaccines mm-hmm. and you want to go to any school, public, private, religious school, whatever, you you either have to get all the vaccines that are mandated by California law or you have to get a, 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 a medical excuse from your doctor called a medical exemption, which basically the doctor decides that your child has medical circumstances that would make vaccines particularly risky to your child. Say you had another child who had a bad reaction or you had three relatives that have very severe vaccine reactions, or you as a parent had a really bad reaction, so you don't want to vaccinate your child, your doctor can give you a medical excuse. You turn that medical excuse into your school, and the school then then accepts your child into school. And then, then the schools sometimes send those medical letters to the public health departments for the public health department officials to look over and verify that they're valid. And then that's what this research is on. But this that's research, not required. It's not required, uh-huh. but this research is these doctors calling all those public health officials to ask them what do they think about these exemptions coming in. And just so that's to, kind of in a nutshell. Just, just to summarize that. the language of the law as it relates to them, too, just so, again, we'll get to this in another episode, but just to clarify, the medical exemptions um, have to meet the legal criteria in SB 277 that it's a written statement signed by a licensed MD or DO, and it's a statement that the child's physical condition and or medical circumstances is such that immunization is not considered safe. Um, number three, an indication of which vaccines are being exempted. And number four, whether or not this is permanent or temporary. Um, and, th- and so any medical exemption written by any physician, DO or MD, has to meet this criteria to be submitted to the school anyway. Right. And if something's missing in that criteria, then the school nurse, school official, whatever, is supposed to then contact either the parent. In some cases, they say they contact the doctor directly. Right. And in some cases, they contact the public health department or medical board even is what is what they mentioned in here. Right. So that's just to clarify what right. this law is and what it says about medical exemptions and what it says about who can write them and whose discretion this comes right. down to, which is the physician solely in the discretion of the physician or which is a medical right. doctor or a licensed CEO in the state of California or whatever your state right. might be applicable. Thanks. Yeah. And, and if you're listening, well, of course you're listening in. Um, uh, if you want to even pause the podcast for a second and find this this article online, you can actually read along with us. Again, if you just put into scholar.google.com you know, or just Google search alone, uh, experiences with medical exemptions after a change in vaccine exemption policy in California. That's a long title. You know, look at this and then you can you start with the abstract, which is basically a summary and I don't know that we need to read the whole summary, but I no. feel like uh, I like to just start with a conclusion that basically says these researchers concluded that participants, which is a public health officers, reported many challenges and concerns with medical exemptions in California without additional legal changes, including a standardized review of medical exemptions, like by a medical board or something, 
Some physicians may continue to write medical exemptions for vaccine-hesitant parents, potentially potentially limiting the long-term impact of SB 277. They actually say in the conclusion, they, they, they consider it a problem that some physicians may continue to write medical exemptions. And they say it's, it's that like they're saying they don't want doctors to write medical exemptions anymore. And but then they're saying there needs to be additional legal changes, right, which right, absolutely right. is a setup. Right. And this this like I just have to say straight out, this is a complete setup. This yes. is a foundational this is foundational literature to set up and support new legislation right. that I would guarantee is going to be coming out at the beginning right. of next year. Right. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be next year. I mean, I knew this was coming. Yeah. Um, before this article, because it just would make sense that that the powers that be that would would try to make the exemption laws more strict. Um, but you're right. You're totally right. This is a foundational research article that they're going to use. This is a it's a setup. You can tell because it's a research agenda. article that says they need legal changes. Right. I mean, I've read so many studies that never talk mm-hmm. about the legal changes that need to happen for some better outcome. It's a research study that will say. And more research needs to be done. But they never say, oh, and by the way, our recommendation is essentially that the laws need to change. I mean, that's just like this is this should not be the goal of whoever's studying research. This is supposed to be just objective information. You're right. You're right. So but getting into the beginning. Yeah. So what's your first uh, my first uh, interesting thing is the bottom of the the first paragraph that starts with in June. So, yeah, is that... uh... Well, okay, one thing I want to say first, even before you're first, is that uh, it says, quote, health officers reported substantial frustration over the lack of authority to review medical exemptions. Substantial frustration. That sounds very strong. That sounds like, oh, every single one of these people said, I am completely frustrated. And yet... When you actually get into the quotes of what the interviewees said, they said, it's not our job to decide whether or not this is valid or not. That's not the role that we play. That's not the role I think we should play. That's not the role the public health department officers should play. And and some even said that's not what what I have even the ability to decide. But I think they're they're saying they wish they did. They're, they're frustrated that they don't have that authority. I think some did, well. but some some were okay with it, saying, right. hey, the doctor's, I'm not a doctor, the doctor's the one that decides. But y- yeah, if you yeah, read that first right. line, though, yeah. it makes it seem like every single one of those 34 people, aka 100% of their uh, you know, research group, uh, had substantial frustration. But then as you read on, it, it, tell, it, it totally right. says the opposite. Right. So what you're yeah. mentioning about contradiction, there's yeah. a lot of that here because the very first topic sentence makes it seem like it's one way. And then if you go into the fine print of the paragraphs, you realize it's the opposite of what they just said. Right. So it's like they're disclosing everything, but they're making, you know, people just skim through this stuff, right? Like essentially people just go through the first lines of every. Right, yeah, you just read, yeah, or, or you read the abstract. Most people just read the abstract. And if you did that in this, this would look very different than if you read right, the whole right. the whole paper. So right. go ahead to your June. So yeah, my I mean, my first interesting section is it, it says, you know, we need to fix this problem with medical exemptions because these types of exemptions put individuals and communities at unnecessary risk for vaccine-preventable diseases. Yeah, I have and, underlined too. And it's as if they're saying... Every single disease that people are being exempted from is, is, is now putting everyone at risk of a disease. And it, it, it's funny, they don't say, they don't acknowledge, well, tetanus is not a contagious disease, so it's okay if you don't get a tetanus shot, you're not putting anyone at risk. They're not saying diphtheria vaccine does not prevent the spread of the disease um, like they should be. You know, they, 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 instead of saying these exemptions put everyone at risk from all these diseases, they should actually break down which vaccines do prevent disease outbreaks and prevent the spread of the disease and which ones don't. Well, of course, and because, those should be the ones that are mandated versus the other. Right, right. So they're, they're anyway. mandating hepatitis B, which doesn't spread between children's schools. They're, they're mandating tetanus, diphtheria, whooping cough vaccine doesn't prevent the spread. Right. The polio vaccine doesn't even prevent the spread. So they, they completely leave off the fact that some of these vaccines are not community immunity uh, situations and that the vaccine can prevent. So that's kind of my, my first beef. But are you surprised that's there? I'm not surprised. No, because, because they always put those community immunity statements and, into and these articles. Yeah, and, and because their opinion is showing that if we don't do this, then all of these communities are now at risk. So it's giving you right. the 
background that you need to feel okay with, again, taking away rights from certain individuals, right? Because otherwise we are all at risk. And that's, of course, not the case. I mean, I wrote so many times on this. What outbreaks? What outbreaks? What outbreaks are they talking about? Like even in the schools that had higher than 50% PBE rates before this law was passed, no outbreaks, no cases of measles in in the outbreak of 2015. I know. It's it's crazy that the Disneyland measles outbreak that, that spurred this law, not one single case was transmitted in any California schools. Whatsoever, right. even the no, ones not even with one. the high PBE rates, right. even right. the ones that had half of the kids. So when they talk about herd immunity, ninety-five percent are supposed to be vaccinated to protect a community. So let's say a school is a very small microcosm, a small community. Ninety-five percent of that school, if they're not at that level, what they're suggesting is that there are going to be disease outbreaks of what they always, you know, vaccine-preventable diseases. But the truth is that's not happening. It's not happening when the vaccine rates are at 90, at 80, at 70, at 60, or at 50. You have 50% right. of a school that has a PBE rate. Uh, I mean, the PBE rate is 50% in a school, and there are no outbreaks happening in those schools, and they're nowhere near the 95. Right. But yet all they continue to do is cite the pockets of unvaccinated, like we dealt with a right. lot in 2015. Pockets of unvaccinated are putting the communities at risk. So even though the SB 277 passed, even though the vaccination rate went up to 95.1% and higher. So now we're over the threshold for community immunity, herd immunity, according to who wrote the law. We're over 95%, right? Even though that's the case, and even though medical exemptions are only 0.7%, less than 1%, so 99.3%. Aren't they up to 1.2% now? Not in this. Okay. I'm trying to remember. So it says it right here. So many two, okay. It went from 0.2% to 0.7. That's a okay. two seven, okay. 2017, right. 2018. You. Thank you. So 0.7% having medical exemptions. That means 99.3% yeah. of students do not. And we already know there are no PBEs and no religious exemptions. So 99.7% of students do not have these medical exemptions. So even though... The vaccine rates are up at 95%. Even though the medical exemption rate is less than 1%, they are still telling you more laws need to come because there are going to be vaccine-preventable disease outbreaks as a result of this teeny, teeny portion of the population that has always existed without any outbreaks. And it's just, I mean, it's completely crazy to me to think of getting so strict um, when when they're already showing, look at the rates are already. You already said it's at ninety five percent. What more do you need? And and they and so they use those those terms like you just mentioned, unnecessary risk for vaccine preventable diseases. They're putting people with these medical exemptions, people that need medical exemptions, are putting individuals and communities at this unnecessary risk. They will not stop until the medical exemption rate is zero. Right. And that is just completely impossible because it is proven that there are side effects to vaccines. Right. There are children that have genetic susceptibilities to environmental triggers that may be, you know, ingredients within vaccines. Less than one percent. Like, I mean, it is just it's unconscionable that they want it to go even lower than that, even lower. I know. And, and that that kind of goes into my next point is. Another problem that that these uh, researchers have with exemptions is that there's a willingness of some physicians to write mm-hmm. medical exemptions that lack scientifically justified medical contraindications as defined by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. So ACIP, and I and right. I want to we're going to do another episode on who they are and right. what their role is here. Right. Because I, and I highlighted the same thing. Yeah, but but what what what's very I, I'm sorry but it's very devious of these researchers mm-hmm. to put that statement in. Which is opinion uh, by right, the way. Right. But, right. Well, but they they put in the the issue about medical contraindications. They're saying that SB277 law is based on medical contraindications. They're saying People should only be exempt if they have a medical contraindication. And that is, that's a flat-out lie. Right. That's, it's a, it's a bold-faced lie that they put into print here because what the SB 277 law did is they actually specifically took the word contraindication right. out of the law. And what I'd like – I just did this today to make sure it's still working. If you Google search SB 277 bill text – 
and you go to the, the, the bill website you know, on the California uh, government's website, you'll see you know, Senate Bill number 277. At the very top right, you'll see a section. It says version, and it says June 30th, 2015 is when it was chaptered. That means they were done with it. It was finished. If you click on that section under version, you can actually go to the original version. You scroll down and go to, look at what was introduced. And then there is like like several amendments made. There were six amendments made to the bill. If you click on each one of those, you see the amended version. They they cross out in red what they changed, and they add in blue. They add in blue what they what they in added language, to the law. Yeah. All right, you can actually see them cross out the word. Uh, reasons that contraindicate vaccination right. and they changed it to be reasons for which the physician does not recommend immunization yeah. totally changed from contraindication to the reasons for which your personal physician recommends that vaccines may not be safe for your child it's right there in black and white yet these researchers have the audacity to write several times throughout mm-hmm. this article that california medical exemptions should be based on contraindications and i just want to add that we all sat in the legislator, the legislature as they were they were debating this, and the, the authors of the law wanted exemptions to be based on contraindications. Uh, senators and legislators said, "No, my my grandchild had a seizure after vaccines. My child had a temporary nerve injury after vaccines. My child had a really a pretty severe allergic reaction. Had to go to the ER, needed Benadryl, or their whole body swelled up. Yeah, they, they did. They they're they're all fine." Um, no, my child uh, developed severe eczema after after a vaccination. These are all me- severe medical problems that happen after vaccination that are not contraindications. Right. Contraindications mean you 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 almost died from a vaccine, whereas other moderate to severe reactions are what the legislators said. That's what we want to base exemptions on. They wanted uh, to include those. They wanted to include those. And they, so they took the word contraindication out. Yeah. And now the AAP researchers are putting the word contraindication right back in there. Well, they are because they're setting you up for mm-hmm. where they're planning on adjusting right. this law. Right. And, right. Exactly. And, but my, my issue with this, too, is the fact that they're saying the willingness of physicians, as if physicians are consciously doing this on purpose, they are writing exemptions for children that lack scientifically justified, like they are deciding what they think is right and wrong and what they think is valid and invalid. And because this is such an individual situation, every child is so unique, every child's family history is unique, there is no way that these five or six researchers can decide or any of the health officers they interviewed decide what they think is valid and what they think isn't valid. They don't have the medical history of the child. That is why you are supposed to defer the knowledge of the physician who knows the family. This is your primary care physician who knows you. They know your children and they are going to be more apt to make a decision. And so many times through this, this study, um, do they mention um, that these are these are uh, medical exemptions that were not valid or that I didn't think were right or that I didn't. Right. And it's thinking like, who's making the decision of what you think is right or wrong? Like you said, a seizure is not a contraindication. And I think anybody listening to this, including including any of these researchers, if any of their children had seizures after a vaccine, I can guarantee you they would say, this is something that concerns me. It doesn't matter that it's not considered a contraindication because so few things are. Um, It is something to consider. And especially, you know, that in addition to some other things combined, that makes sense why that would be something that a physician would say, this is an area of concern. But throughout this entire study, they always talk about scientifically, it's not uh, scientifically justified. Um, Physicians are writing things that are essentially just made up is, is the way that they portray it. They talk about physicians getting paid directly for medical exemptions. That comes up later. Right, um, they're right. Try- I feel like they're trying to characterize um, physicians who are open-minded about this as either financially motivated, unethical. Uh, there's one section where they said, confused by the law as if these people right, just aren't right. educated enough. These, right. these particular physicians must not be smart enough to make these decisions. And so they're kind of 
painting a characterization of all of these alternative theories, you know, th- alternative minded uh, <clears throat> physicians as it relates to medical exemptions. They're painting them uh-huh. as villains kind of right from the beginning, which to me is the opposite of objectivity. If you are here to discuss the facts, the facts are I had 18 people send me a medical exemption this year. You know, 17 of them were um, for things I've heard of. One of them seemed, you know, that those are facts. This is not facts. This is telling people doctors writing medical exemptions are not doing so correctly. They're not and they're unethical in their in their practice of that. Like they're making these opinionated and dark descriptions of what's happening. And so they're trying to influence public opinion as a result, because if you happen to be one of the doctors who, God forbid, actually wrote a medical exemption, then they're going to say, oh, I heard about those doctors probably did it for money or they probably did it for this. So this is not data. This is not like, you know, a study which you plan on actually getting information. This is like there's so much opinion mixed into what they're calling data that it's really misleading. And I think that's extremely dangerous because an average citizen who's picking this up and reading it, they're going to think these are facts. These are proven facts. And, and how can they be? This is, there's so much opinion through this whole thing. Yeah. And and I want to speak to the average citizen, uh, especially those of you maybe who are, are, are very in favor of vaccinations. You, you vaccinate your children, you, you, you like them and you, you accept the, the CDC schedule. This whole episode is, has nothing to do with whether vaccines are good or bad, you know, whether they're, they're right or wrong, whether you should or shouldn't do them. This, this, this episode is about what should parents do when their child has a severe reaction that's not a contraindication and what should their doctor do with them as an individual? What should your family do? You have a seizure after a vaccination. Should you do the next four doses of that shot or should you get a medical excuse to be able to opt out of that shot? This article says, no, you should not be able to opt out after that seizure. Um, and but I honestly, I truly believe that even those who are pro vaccine, even even parents who are pro vaccine, even I, I got to believe I got to have faith in pediatricians out there that the vast majority of pediatricians who are practicing in the trenches would believe that. If you have a seizure after a vaccination, you are justified. You are medically justified in not doing that vaccine again, and that that doctor would not even want to see some sort of medical board in Sacramento, kind of overseeing their judgment and they're trying to opt their 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 patient out. I, I have to believe that most pediatricians would feel that way. It just feels like this is a slippery slope because at yeah. some point, what they're saying is somebody needs to articulate. <clears throat> exactly what is and isn't acceptable and who is going yeah. to be responsible for that yeah, right now it's the doctors right right now they want to make it a piece of paper they want a black list. and white right. list of these three things are okay and anything else is not okay and just yeah. like we talk about with one size fits all in medicine it doesn't make sense because every child is so different and the way that they respond is different and how they responded as an infant to vaccines could be different as they do when they're younger you know preschool age and all those things have to continue to be taken into consideration yeah. And if we if we're narrowing down what is and isn't okay, then it comes down to who is making that choice, who gets to decide for my child what is severe enough to I mean, does this go back to the vaccines are safe enough and they are effective enough? You you just the blanket statements on any of this stuff. It's impossible. And I think that's why they had so much resistance in the legislature about the word contraindication, because that limited so, so narrowly exactly what um, could be considered valid. And I think that, unfortunately, many of the people that were interviewed in this small group, um, you know, probably agrees with that's what they've been told is the only contraindications are, you know, these three things here and that's it. And so they kind of believe the same thing. They don't understand maybe the complexity of how the body works and how these all things, all these things work together. And that's the doctor's responsibility. It's the doctor's role right. with the patients and the patient's family to come to, to some kind of conclusion. I mean, I don't know what, what else they expect to happen. Like, who's going to make the rules? And what if those rules don't fit? What if a child gets injured from something because they didn't fit what those contraindications say. I mean, what happens at that point? Like this, it feels like this is going to open up a, could open up a box for something really serious. 
Right, 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 right. I've already seen, uh, I've already, you know, had two patients who didn't want to do vaccinations, but they they began the process to meet the 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 law, the the California law. They started vaccinating uh, two patients already uh, with uh, pretty severe reactions. And they they stopped vaccinating because of those reactions. And so who's, neurological reactions. Who's accountable in that sense? Like, well, well, nobody. Well, the that's vaccine court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the you know, the, the people that make the law are not accountable. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of a different thing. But I, I want to just highlight something. You might have already said this, but there, there's a, a section here that says um, the participants in the study did agree that the local health department has no authority to question mm-hmm. the scientific validity of the medical exemptions according to California law. They know they, they have no authority to question the validity of these. Um, and I think some of them uh, like that. Some of them don't want that authority, but I think some of them do wish they had more authority. It says somewhere else some of them want more authority. But what would give them authority. that authority? Well, a, a, a law, a new law would give them that authority. Right, but I'm saying why should they have the authority? They don't know your child. You're right, they don't know the child. You're, you're totally right. They're reviewing paper. They have zero understanding right. Right. of exactly. the background, the medical background of that child. So why should what, they get authority? That's what's scary. But that, that's, yeah, that is scary. That's where this article is going towards. But And, and I think the public needs to basically be aware. Uh, well, I, lo- I love these quotes because – so this has all been like the summary of the study, right? But the quotes talking about physicians, I love how one of these health officers says, the way the law is written, the physician is the one who makes the decision. Okay, that's, I mean, that's right. pretty simple. Right. Right. And then another um, – this was an immunization coordinator says, and I circle this three times because it's like, I'm not the doctor. I see some really lame reasons for medical exemptions. Lame. Lame reasons, but I'm not the physician and it's not in my capacity to be able to say, well, that's not a valid medical exemption. I may think it, but if the doctor gives these reasons and they're writing the medical exemption, then it's accepted as long as it meets the requirements. It's not my patient and I'm not the physician. Okay, where, where does it say that? I totally These were in the tables. That. You had to like open up the tables. I didn't look at the tables. Okay, so I have oh it right here. So these ta- the, this, the tables were the actual quotes from oh, the individuals. This was really interesting. Totally but it. I'm laughing because you've got three times this person says, I'm not the doctor. I'm not the physician. I'm not the doctor. Three times. Right. And they're, they're not just, it's not just that they're not a doctor. They're not the, the doctor, doctor of that child. Neither right. is the doctor sitting on the board in Sacramento right. who's going to be who they want to uh, look for, you know, the, the totally. reasons for contraindications now. And it, but it says, he says, it's not in my capacity to be able to say anything about it. Mm-hmm. Not like meaning I don't have the ability to decide whether or not this is valid. And, but, he said, but he or she says, I may think it. It's like, well, see, this is where we have these preconceived notions that these people come into their job with. So in their mind, people don't have vaccine reactions. These don't mm-hmm. happen. This mm-hmm. is part of the anti-vaxxers that are coming up with this theory. So you have this bias when you come into your own job and then you're taking that bias and you're trying to judge whether or not somebody has a right to have a medical exemption that is written by that person's doctor. and. They don't have the capacity or the ability to understand where this this decision right, came right. from because they don't know the kid. Right. And yet they're right. in here. But I'm not the doctor. I might be frustrated with it, but I'm not the doctor. Yeah, no kidding. You're not the doctor. That's the point. That's entirely the point. You are not the doctor. Therefore, yes. you should not be able to take that medical exemption and go, mm, I don't think this is valid. No, I'm going to send this right. one back. Right. I mean, like, right. it's just completely ridiculous it's, to me. Yeah, it baffles me, too. And I just want to say, you know, we're, we're actually kind of like at our usual time. But I think we should just keep powering yeah, through. And, sure. you know, if, if this is going to be an hour-long podcast, you know, uh, and you you are fascinated about this as I am, then, then hang in there. Um, I want to I want to point out um, another another conclusion that, that some of these results showed that Many participants wanted the California Medical Board to take a more active role in disciplining physicians yeah. who were writing medical exemptions that they perceived to be problematic. Right. Well, that's a, that, and that and that's a whole. There's a whole thing of quotes of problematic. Right. Right. And, that- and 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 my problem with that is that they're saying they want the medical board to discipline physicians who are writing these exemptions. Now we all sat at the hearings. And that and that yeah. and one of the legislators asked the one of the authors of that law, the, the secondary author of this law, 
is the medical board going to, you know, going to go, you know, after these doctors? And one of them said, no, you know, if doctors are writing appropriate medical exemptions, the medical board should not go after that. And then, and then, and then a few weeks later, that, that same legislator was quoted in the media, and I paraphrase, I don't know the exact quote, but he said, um, uh, I am not in favor at all of the medical board going after doctors for writing medical it's exemptions. Their discretion. Right. That's what's because according law. to this law, it's completely up to the doctor's discretion. Right. It's not based on contraindications. And that was by design that right. the law language said that. Right. So now the, these public health officials and the authors of the study are saying, no, we want it to be based on contraindications and we want the medical board to go after doctors because they're not doing these exemptions based on contraindications. It's I don't know where this stuff comes from and it, it pisses me off. But, you know, hey, that's that's the world we live in. I want to give you a few more quotes, too. So these are the people that were interviewed. This is direct quotes of what they said. Another immunization coordinator says, again, I was to remind everybody, this was 34 people, and they did say that the majority of these people probably had very strong feelings about SB 277. So this is a small database that could be potentially biased. Just want to point that out. This is not representative of thousands of, you know, health officials across the state. But anyway, um, uh, another immunization coordinator says, it's not a school's expectation or role or responsibility to determine whether the medical reason is valid. The school's role is just to make sure everything that's listed on the law is met and they file it away. And yet you're hearing other people say, as a school nurse, I get this piece of paper and, and I wish I could say this isn't valid. It's not your job. Your job is not to decide whether it's valid. Your job as a school is to take the medical exemption that came from the discretion of the physician, just like it's legally required, and to file it. Those things should not be passed on for further review because you don't think it de- this person deserves it. Like, what do you know? You know, like, what right. do you know about the kid? Right. Like, I mean, it kills me when I when I see this language of, I didn't feel like they might have needed it or... I might not have thought it's valid, but who are you? Like, what would give you the right or the basis or the knowledge to even weigh in on what you think is valid for this child? Like, you know, because if you already believe vaccine reactions don't happen, then you're going to believe that medical exemptions aren't necessary. Right. Just in general. Right. right. That means any piece of paper that comes across your desk would feel like this is invalid or problematic. Yeah. Yeah, And I I want to add something that the researchers said about the quote that you just you just Mm -hmm. spoke to is, um, they they basically gave some uh, some uh, reasons regarding um, regarding why uh, schools did not feel like they needed to track medical exemptions, um, and one of the reasons was that they are trusting doctors' judgments about the reasons for medical exemptions. Right, that's what the schools want to do, and then that's what a lot of these public health officials want to do. They it says right here, they're trusting doctors' judgments about the reasons for medical exemptions because that doctor is going to know best because they know their own patient. Exactly. Yeah. And because they're a licensed right. uh, physician. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, they're going to have a knowledge base that the average immunization coordinator might not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah. um, another, um, another thing talking about verifying medical exemptions is uh, this is a health officer says we're not the auditors of the physicians. If a licensed physician in California says that this child has a medical exemption, we're not going to go investigate and say, Oh no, that's not valid. That would be an entirely different role for the health department that I don't really think we should be in. So we trust their judgment that there's a medical exemption period. Okay, that that this is a health officer saying this is not our role to 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 double check whether or not we think the. I mean, like, I don't even know how that's possible in practice. How do you think a school nurse is going to be able to come to a physician and say, I don't think what you wrote was acceptable. I don't think what the reason you're giving is acceptable. What basis would they have for that? Like, I'm not really. And what if they do disagree and the physician says, no, I still think it's valid. What are they? I don't understand what they are expecting to happen. I mean, I don't know. How would an immunization coordinator or, you know, a random health official for a local public health department, what do they know about the child? What do they know? And, and, and you talk about these physicians granting multiple exemptions. They talk about um, those people, too. So as soon as they see an exemption with a certain name in their mind, this person gives them out all the time. So therefore, 
it's probably not valid. I mean, there's so many generalizations that come into the feelings on this, that this kind of quote unquote data about implementation with medical exemptions and the need for further law doesn't really make sense because it's all based on opinion that the same opinions that were probably just as strong before the law was passed. These are probably the most vocal people that were about passing this mandate right, and right, they wanted this right. law to be passed. They want all right. things gone because, you know, vaccines are safe and effective. Yeah. And here's, here's a, I guess, another section from, from the article. It says, um, um, when they were trying to look at medical exemptions that the, the participants thought were problematic, here's the quote. It says, most participants reported seeing few or no right. medical exemptions that they believed were problematic. Yep. And that's kind of you, you're reading like the, mm-hmm. the actual verbal quotes from people on that. I'm reading one of the summaries in the article. Most felt that few or no medical exemptions were, were problematic. So, yep. again, they're, they're painting I, I, that I, this article as if all these health officers are frustrated. thought all these yeah, medical exemptions totally. were bogus and everything needs to change. No. Most yeah. reported few or no problems. Few or no, right. or no medical exemptions that they believed. And so it also talks about um, the tracking of medical exemptions and the desire to put it into some kind of database that all of these health officials can see the medical exemption directly, even though this is personal medical information. And what right. they said was the main reason for tracking was to examine patterns with the medical exemptions, including the conditions listed as contraindications. Again, right. they mentioned right. that. And the names of physicians granting medical exemptions. Right. What they want to know is who is giving them out. Right. And that seems so invasive. And it also seems like a witch hunt, which, you know, we've talked yeah. about before. Why do they need to know Who's giving out medical exemptions? It seems like they're trying to target those people to ultimately get them to stop. Right. I mean, this seems like this is where this is going. And again, to be reported, it says to report the physician to the medical board. Um, Reaching out. So sometimes they they need to reach out to the physician that wrote the medical exemption and uh, in some cases report them to the California Medical Board. But they talked about the California Medical Board. They talked about all of the current. I think there were 60. 60 um, cases that have on record as of today that right. were uh, to uh, interview and investigate um, oh, 60 complaints regarding medical exemptions. Right. And it says a majority of the cases have been closed because no violations have been found. There was insufficient evidence to pursue disciplinary action or an inability to proceed because of lack of supporting evidence. Right. It's like literally almost all, it doesn't say the exact number, but it says a majority of the 60 complaints have been dropped. So even the ones for people that think they shouldn't have gotten it, when they do report it to a higher organization, they're going through it and and realizing, okay, this was actually valid. There's no disciplinary action that needs to be taken. So how many people are writing these bogus, you know, medical exemptions that they're talking about? They make it seem like we're hundreds, thousands even of across the board and this 0.7%. Oh my God. It's yeah. And and I want to point out a few laws. I mean, they, they, there's a section here there where they talk about, um, uh, uh, maybe we'll just wait till we get to it, but, um, Well, it's a section where they talk about where um, uh, the medical board was trying, where where nurses at schools reported exemptions to the medical board Mm -hmm. as being bogus. Right. The medical board then needs to try to get the medical records Uh on that patient, but they can only get those records if the parents agree. And the parents are fighting the medical board so that their, their kids' records can stay confidential. So now it's costing the medical board a lot of money hmm. to go to court to try to force the release of these records. And, you know, the, the public health departments weren't happy about that. I'm sure the medical board is not happy about that. Trying to get records from parents that the parents don't want released because they're confidential, all because a school nurse reported mm-hmm. these exemptions. Because she didn't feel. Because she didn't feel that the, the report was valid. And, like her own personal opinion right. was that and, it's not valid. And, and I want to point out a few things that I've learned recently as I've been looking through these laws is there's a, there's a California Health and Safety Code, uh, Section 120440, which really talks a lot about a school's responsibility for confidentiality of medical records and the school's civil and criminal liability if they break that confidentiality. Well, guess what? 
Your child's medical exemption letter that's sitting in your file at, at your child's school is a medical record. Yeah. It's 100% confidential. Right. That nurse can report to the medical board that she has a letter, that an exemption letter that she thinks is bogus. She cannot tell the medical board that student's name. She could not tell the medical board the doctor's name or any personal identifying information. But we information. would assume that's happening. It is right? happening because yeah. they've admitted it's happening yeah. uh, before, not in this article, but in other articles. Um, uh, but it's illegal. that they can, they can send the letter to the medical board as a complaint with every piece of personal identifying information uh, redacted. Interesting. So the medical board has no idea who they're talking about. The medical board just can just review the validity of the general content of the letter. But yes, school nurses are violating that health and you know uh, health and safety code. There's also a law, a law called FERPA, the Family mm-hmm. Educational Rights and Privacy Act. It states the school could only share information with certain other educational programs, not medical programs like the public health department or the medical board. They can they can share information with other educational programs without the parents' consent. But they cannot go outside the educational system without parents' consent. And so there's 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 the health and safety state health and safety code section one two zero four four zero. There's the FERPA law. FERPA law. Both of them say these are confidential records, and one of them says there's criminal and civil liability if a school breaks that. And then of course there there's HIPAA law, which says um, uh, schools can only share medical exemption letters with, with, with information on them with the public health department if there's a state of emergency. Like in the state of some right. disease outbreak yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah. In the absence of a state of emergency, you can't share these letters right, but this, with the public health department. This says right here that they're trying mm-hmm. to create tracking for all medical exemptions, that they are right. in a public database that's accessible by for, from all health officials right. that's going to have information. Right, so not only will they'll have to rewrite FERPA law, the California Health and Safety Code, they'll have to look at HIPAA. I mean, it'd be a legal nightmare, fortunately, because you know, these are confidential. Well, yeah, sometimes it's almost like that stuff needs to happen before mm-hmm. some kind of precedent. So people understand that rights are being violated. This is right. more than right. just the measles outbreak and let's make sure kids are safe. Like it has gone so far past that to stripping yeah. away right. privacy so, yeah. and personal rights. So if, if you're a parent out there and you think your child's medical exemption has been inappropriately shared with anybody outside your educational system, you know, read that health and safety code, read FERPA law, read, read HIPAA law and, you know, uh, you know, decide what, you know, if you're going to do something about it. Let me see so what what's else. next. Let um, me just see what else. Um, you, they mentioned the well, ACIP and contraindications again. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that it's if, over and over again. Yeah, if a medical exemption does not, like a history of autoimmune disease, that if that does not, because that's not listed as a contraindication to immunization according to the ACIP. And so, again, that's going based on national law and CDC recommendations, not what the state law says. Right. And they're doing it in such a way that makes it seem like this is the way it is already. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Legally, it's not. And like you're saying, it's very misleading that they are presenting it that way. Right, right. Um, and, you know, th- throughout here, several places, it says the participants were frustrated with physicians who were charging fees yeah, I saw that. for medical exemptions. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm a doctor that I'm not contracted with medical insurances. Um, I was contracted with military insurance. So when I was under an insurance, um, a military insurance, I would see the, some other patients and I would do medical exemption evaluations. I did not charge the families any extra fee for that. Yeah. I accepted the, the fee from the insurance. Um, Which every, was for an office visit, right? right? For an office, yes, yeah. like for a regular office for an exam, visit fee. Right, uh-huh. right. And so, but when I'm seeing patients who uh, I don't take their insurance, I have to charge them money for the office visit. Right. Because I, I, can't, I can't bill their insurance because I'm not contracted. I think what's interesting is, when doctors do medical exemptions for patients that they are contracted with their insurance, I got to tell you, there is a there is a lot of administrative, extra administrative work that doctors' offices have to do for exemption evaluations. That's different than most offices. So, a, a doctor's staff is going to spend a half hour to an entire hour with each patient before their appointment, gathering all their medical information, all their data, all their records, talking to the parents. There's tons of work that goes into doing an exemption evaluation in your office. 
I mean, personally, I I feel like doc- doctors are justified at charging an administrative fee if that's not covered by insurance. But only for if the it's visit, not covered though, by insurance. For the visit. It's right, not right, for right. a piece of paper. No, 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 you're right. You're right. So, but that's what they're saying. Right, right. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're saying doctors should not be charging a lot of extra money for this kind of visit. I, I mean, you could you could go back and forth. And I think that's kind of an interesting idea that I'm not sure about because I'm not in that arena. Um but but again, I guess they say over and over again, it looks like they're going to they don't like doctors charging extra money above and beyond insurance or above and beyond your normal fees for office visits. If you're not an insurance doctor, they don't like that. And I, I wonder if that means doctors should consider should, they should take a look at their their you know financial uh, the way they're handling these offices, you know, these visits and make sure they're doing appropriately, I guess. I have to. I have to mention. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, would you pay extra beyond what your insurance is covering for medical exemption, or do you feel like it should be totally covered by your insurance, just as a consumer yourself? Well, you're saying if the doctor was taking insurance, right? If the doctor was taking insurance, I don't know. So. I mean, yeah. It it seems. I mean, if something needs to be filed, and if it's some type of filing fee, but the way they make it seem like it's this extra several hundred dollars that these parents are being charged just to get the, the medical exemption. Right. Um, they're making it seem like it's essentially like a complete financial incentive, which of course we know that it's not, but I have to highlight this quote right here. This says, although most participants reported reviewing no or few problematic medical exemptions, <laughs> I was just reading the same things. So we do ahead. not necessarily <laughs> interpret this to mean that problematic medical exemptions are rare. That's hilarious. So right. they want us to take this study and make it mean something because they interviewed 34 they people. Make, this make it mean something, something. This else. Means something. But, but they want to, they want to say this is all valid except the part where they said there were no problematic uh, medical exemptions, we're not going to interpret that to mean that right. that was actually accurate. Like they're saying everything else they've said is accurate as long as it supports this particular narrative. But right. the fact that they have not come across problematic medical exemptions, that's not to say they don't exist somewhere else with all of the other people they didn't interview. I mean, it, it's they're cherry picking what they're saying is valid in the study right. uh, of these the the interviews that they've had. And um, I'm pretty sure that when you interview a group of people that represent half of the jurisdictions in the California state <laughs> and they found few or no, no problematic medical exemptions, I'm pretty sure when it comes to data, if you were to infer, you would say that that would likely mean that there is a low level of problematic medical exemptions. <laughs> but because that would hurt the cause, in, you know, which is behind all of this, they actually say, we're not going to say that actually means they don't exist. We just didn't find out about them in those interviews they conducted over a year's period of time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to add, um, it looks like uh, they're, they're considering, um, or they're actually, they, they implore other states and, and yeah, probably California as well, to explore the role of financial disincentives and processing right. fees for medical exemptions. Basically, they're, they're going to try to, they're going to try to create financial disincentives for doctors right. or parents who write medical exemptions and and probably make parents pay a processing fee right. for submitting a medical exemption. And and because right now it costs nothing for anyone to 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 manage these because all you do is you give them to the school registrar, they give them to the school nurse who goes into your file. If they're going to create this whole big huge machine with a big board of of, of of trained medical professionals to look over your exemptions, that's going to cost money. And I think they're going to try to, you know, put that cost of that on on the consumer. And that puts people who are in low income areas at a huge disadvantage because they're not going to be able to pay these types of things, whether or not their child or not actually needs it. So their child might genuinely deserve and need a medical exemption, but because they won't be able to pay those processing fees, it talks about that, that it actually is creating Um, a discrimin a type of discrimination against those who have medium to low income right. households that won't be able to right right and, and and that's something that's really important to legislators as I've talked to them over the years. If there's a law that's going to unfairly impact those uh, uh, with with low incomes, um, they don't like laws like that. So if you're a low income family and your child had a seizure after vaccines right. and it's going to cost you two hundred dollars 
to to file that exemption with the, the school so that mm-hmm. they can then review it. What what instead? What if instead you would get your child that vaccine again? You have a worse seizure. Your child then develops a seizure disorder ongoing, but then, all because you couldn't afford the filing fee that the state is right. looking at. But then you have doing. to pay the cost of the treatment and care know, for what happens to that child for so, however many years. So that's something. If you're talking to legislators, you really want to point out the, these disparities for low-income families, because um, because right now it, it's you know if, if they have insurance. They can find a doctor that that can do these exemptions under their insurance and 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 serve them. It shouldn't be at any significant cost to them. Um, and so they can they conclude by saying without additional legal changes to two seventy seven. So that means they want new legal changes. Without these additional legal changes, including a standardized review of medical exemptions, which means they expect every single medical exemption to be reviewed, and somebody's going to decide whether or not it's valid or invalid. This could potentially undermine the, the impact, like you said, of 277 and basically put portions of California susceptible to vaccine-preventable outbreaks if medical exemption rates continue to rise. I just want to reinforce 0.7% right. is what medical exemptions are at for the 2017-2018 school year. 0.7%, less than 1%. And this is the new medical exemption rate. It used to be 02 uh, because there were PBEs uh, that were still, you know, in place. Because they're not, it's gone up, um, you know, 0.5%. This is not like it's 30% of kids. Like, I just want to reinforce that although they make it seem like this is a dire circumstance and we have to have stricter laws, when you come down to the numbers, less than 1% of children in California schools have uh, a medical exemption. Right. And again, I think it all comes down to their their dire warnings of what will happen if more people uh, get medical exemptions. We will have these outbreaks of vaccine preventable diseases because ever since this law passed, we have not had a single outbreak of uh, of a vaccine preventable disease in California schools. The status quo is working. We have not had another large measles outbreak. The one we had through Disneyland wasn't in schools. It wasn't anyway. even in schools. We have not had a large measles outbreak in schools. Uh, what do we have in schools? We have chickenpox outbreaks. It's chickenpox, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, we have whooping cough outbreaks in schools, but again, that's not a vaccine preventable disease. Uh, it doesn't prevent you from spreading that disease. So we have flu outbreaks in schools, mm-hmm. but again, the flu vaccine doesn't prevent the spread of the disease. Uh, so. We have not had any single any any change in our disease situation in California that would warrant any change to this California law. But there wasn't even before two seventy seven either. You're right. There wasn't before two seventy seven. Not in schools. Right in schools. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So again, you have to you have to ask. You know, why are they going to try to change this again? If you're a legislator, you have to ask. Why are they doing this? What's, what's behind this? And what's the real risk? Right. Is there is there some again? Is there a public health crisis? Right. There isn't. There's no change in public health risk yeah. since this law came into effect. So why do we need to even change it? And I would go into this other thing, but I don't think we have. Oh time gosh, to do yeah, that right. yeah. yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll, maybe yeah, we'll cover that in the um, in the next thing that we do on medical exemptions. Another yeah, journal yeah. article that references the study we just talked about. So right. the study was more important than anything. But right, right. I, I mean, I would just conclude myself as reading the study by saying there was a lot of opinion in there. Um, it was a very small study. We know that they, these are people that were biased into having strong opinions on 277. And even in all that, their bottom line was still they don't think it's their job to assess what a physician does. And that's not what the law says. And there's been no or few problematic medical exemptions that they've seen. So, I mean, like if you read through the study, you're going, then what's the problem? (laughs) I mean, what is the problem and why does something need to be done? It's like they're creating a non-existent issue and just trying to have a study to back it up. All right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that was... That was uh, that was exhausting. <laughs> yeah, and sorry, it wasn't yeah. super fun or no, uh, that but, but interesting. It has to be done. But, I mean, it has to be and done. go check this out yourself. Read right. through it and go back over through this right. again. I mean, I have notes marked all over this because um, a lot of things that we see, like we talked about before, media sound bites. You find yes. all that stuff in here. Yeah. Um, you start to see that this is a very similar um, theme that you come across, whether it's a study, a newspaper article, or legislators giving their spiel, this tends to be the same thing that you're hearing. 
And it's just another example of it, but I'm pretty sure this is what's coming next. Yes. Further legislation on medical exemptions. Yep. Yep. Sadly, you're right. Well, we will see you uh, next time on the uh, vaccine conversation. That's right. right. Bye. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.